Chapter seventeen of part two of elective affinities. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Elective affinities by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Part two, chapter seventeen. It was with the utmost surprise that Charlotte saw the carriage drive up with Ottilie and Edward at the same moment ride into the courtyard of the castle. She ran down to the hall. Ottilie alighted and approached her and Edward. Violently and eagerly she caught the hands of the wife and husband, pressed them together, and hurried off to her own room. Edward threw himself on Charlotte's neck and burst into tears. He could not give her any explanation. He besought her to have patience with him, and to go at once to see Ottilie. Charlotte followed her to her room, and she could not enter it without a shudder. It had been all cleared out. There was nothing to be seen but the empty walls, which stood there looking cheerless, vacant, and miserable. Everything had been carried away except the little box, which from an uncertainty what was to be done with it had been left in the middle of the room. Ottilie was lying stretched upon the ground, her arm and head leaning across the cover. Charlotte bent anxiously over her and asked what had happened, but she received no answer. Her maid had come with the restoratives. Charlotte left her with Ottilie, and herself hastened back to Edward. She found him in the saloon, but he could tell her nothing. He threw himself down before her. He bathed her hands with tears. He flew to his own room, and she was going to follow him thither, when she met his valet. From this man she gathered as much as he was able to tell. The rest she put together in her own thoughts as well as she could, and then at once set herself resolutely to do what the exigencies of the moment required. Ottilie's room was put to rights again as quickly as possible. Edward found his, to the last paper, exactly as he had left it. The three appeared again to fall into some sort of relation with one another, but Ottilie persevered in her silence, and Edward could do nothing except entreat his wife to exert a patience which seemed wanting to himself. Charlotte sent messengers to Mittler and to the Major. The first was absent from home, and could not be found. The latter came. To him Edward poured out all his heart, confessing every most trifling circumstance to him, and thus Charlotte learned fully what had passed, what it had been which had produced such violent excitement, and how so strange an alteration of their mutual position had been brought about. She spoke with the utmost tenderness to her husband. She had nothing to ask of him, except that for the present he would leave the poor girl to herself. Edward was not insensible to the worth, the affection, the strong sense of his wife, but his passion absorbed him exclusively. Charlotte tried to cheer him with hopes. She promised that she herself would make no difficulties about the separation, but it had small effect with him. He was so much shaken that hope and faith alternately forsook him. A species of insanity appeared to have taken possession of him. He urged Charlotte to promise to give her hand to the Major. To satisfy him and to humour him, she did what he required. She engaged to become herself the wife of the Major, in the event of Ottilie consenting to the marriage with Edward, with this express condition, however, that for the present the two gentlemen should go abroad together. The Major had a foreign appointment from the court, and it was settled that Edward should accompany him. They arranged it all together, and in doing so found a sort of comfort for themselves, in the sense that at least something was being done. In the meantime, they had to remark that Ottilie took scarcely anything to eat or drink. She still persisted in refusing to speak. They at first used to talk to her, but it appeared to distress her, and they left it off. We are not, universally at least, so weak, 
as to persist in torturing people for their good charlotte thought over what could possibly be done at last she fancied it might be well to ask the assistant of the school to come to them he had much influence with ottilie and had been writing with much anxiety to inquire the cause of her not having arrived at the time he had been expecting her but as yet she had not sent him any answer in order not to take ottilie by surprise they spoke of their intention of sending this invitation in her presence it did not seem to please her she thought for some little time at last she appeared to have formed some resolution she retired to her own room and before the evening sent the following letter to the assembled party ottilie to her friends why need i express in words my dear friends what is in itself so plain i have stepped out of my course and i cannot recover it again a malignant spirit which has gained power over me seems to hinder me from without even if within i could again become at peace with myself my purpose was entirely firm to renounce edward and to separate myself from him for ever i had hoped that we might never meet again it has turned out otherwise against his own will he stood before me too literally perhaps i have observed my promise never to admit him into conversation with me my conscience and the feelings of the moment kept me silent towards him at the time and now i have nothing more to say i have taken upon myself under the accidental impulse of the moment a difficult vow which if it had been formed deliberately might perhaps be painful and distressing let me now persist in the observance of it so long as my heart shall enjoin it to me do not call in any one to mediate do not insist upon my speaking do not urge me to eat or to drink more than i absolutely must bear with me and let me alone and so help me on through the time i am young and youth has many unexpected means of restoring itself endure my presence among you cheer me with your love make me wiser and better with what you say to one another but leave me to my own inward self the two friends had made all preparation for their journey but their departure was still delayed by the formalities of the foreign appointment of the major a delay most welcome to edward ottilie's letter had roused all his eagerness again he had gathered hope and comfort from her words and now felt himself encouraged and justified in remaining and waiting he declared therefore that he would not go it would be folly indeed he cried of his own accord to throw away by over-precipitateness what was most valuable and most necessary to him when although there was a danger of losing it there was nevertheless a chance that it might be preserved what is the right name of conduct such as that he said it is only that we desire to show that we are able to will and to choose i myself under the influences of the same ridiculous folly have torn myself away days before there was any necessity for it from my friends merely that i might not be forced to go by the definite expiration of my term this time i will stay what reason is there for my going is she not already removed far enough from me i am not likely now to catch her hand or press her to my heart i could not even think of it without a shudder she has not separated herself from me she has raised herself far above me and so he remained as he desired as he was obliged but he was never easy except when he found himself with ottilie she too had the same feeling with him she could not tear herself away from the same happy necessity on all sides they exerted an indescribable almost magical attraction over one another living as they were under one roof without even so much as thinking of each other although they might be occupied with other things or diverted this way or that way by the other members of the party they always drew together if they were in the same room in a short time they were sure to be either standing or sitting near each other 
they were only easy when as close together as they could be but they were then completely easy to be near was enough there was no need for them either to look or to speak they did not seek to touch one another or make sign or gesture but merely to be together then there were not two persons there was but one person in unconscious and perfect content at peace with itself and with the world so it was that if either of them had been imprisoned at the further end of the house the other would by degrees without intending it have moved towards its fellow till he found it life to them was a riddle the solution of which they could only find in union ottilie was throughout so cheerful and quiet that they were able to feel perfectly easy about her she was seldom absent from the society of her friends all that she had desired was that she might be allowed to eat alone with no one to attend upon her but nanny what habitually befalls any person repeats itself more often than one is apt to suppose because his own nature gives the immediate occasion for it character individuality inclination tendency locality circumstance and habits form together a whole in which every man moves as in an atmosphere and where only he feels himself at ease in his proper element and so we find men of whose changeableness so many complaints are made after many years to our surprise unchanged and in all the infinite tendencies outward and inward unchangeable thus in the daily life of our friends almost everything glided on again in its old smooth track ottilie still displayed by many silent attentions her obliging nature and the others like her continued each themselves and then the domestic circle exhibited an image of their former life so like it that they might be pardoned if at any time they dreamt that it might all be again as it was the autumn days which were of the same length with those old spring days brought the party back into the house out of the air about the same hour the gay fruits and flowers which belonged to the season might have made them fancy it was now the autumn of that first spring and the interval dropped out and forgotten for the flowers which now were blooming were the same as those which then they had sown and the fruits which were now ripening on the trees were those which at that time they had seen in blossom the major went backwards and forwards and mittler came frequently the evenings were generally spent in exactly the same way edward usually read aloud with more life and feeling than before much better and even it may be said with more cheerfulness it appeared as if he was endeavouring by light-heartedness as much as by devotion to quicken ottilie's torpor into life and dissolve her silence he seated himself in the same position as he used to do that she might look over his book he was uneasy and distracted unless she was doing so unless he was sure that she was following his words with her eyes every trace had vanished of the unpleasant ungracious feelings of the intervening time no one had any secret complaint against another there were no cross-purposes no bitterness the major accompanied charlotte's playing with his violin and edward's flute sounded again as formerly in harmony with ottilie's piano thus they were now approaching edward's birthday which the year before they had missed celebrating this time they were to keep it without any outward festivities in quiet enjoyment among themselves they had so settled it together half expressly half from a tacit agreement as they approached nearer to this epoch however an anxiety about it which had hitherto been more felt than observed became more noticeable in ottilie's manner she was to be seen often in the garden examining the flowers she had signified to the gardener that he was to save as many as he could of every sort and that she had been especially occupied with the asters which this year were blooming in immense profusion End of chapter seventeen